Welcome to Coastline Church, seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. Well, we're on. We're in Joshua, and uh, if you recall, uh, when we started talking about the beginning of this year, actually, probably at the end of December, you may have recalled that I was talking about that um, I was uh, sensing like a like a season change, and that. And that, at least in my life for the previous year of 2022, the Lord started speaking to me in a different way, in a different tone. And I was liking and likening it to uh, when Moses died and then Joshua took over. And remember, Moses was the meekest man on the whole earth. Okay. But Joshua was a man of war. And so... Please keep that in mind as we're going through um, chapter seven. And I want to just thank uh, Robin and Rob for doing the Spotify uh, uh, music. It was so, so good yes. and is lining up totally to things that I wanted to bring out today. So um, one of those is that our soul is to remember that's a key word for me these days. And I'm sure that it is for you and that it's, God's glory is what our hearts long for, really. When it's all said and done, the bottom line is that God is glorified. And so um, let's let's go through these scriptures and um, let's cause our soul to remember. You know, David encouraged himself in the Lord, which means he had to uh, talk to his soul. Okay, chapter 7 in Joshua, if you're reading on your device or Bible or... uh, on the PowerPoint, here we go. Verse one, but Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan was the son of Carmia, a descendant of Zimri, son of Zeroth of the tribe of Judah. And if you remember Judah, Judah means praise, and Judah was the smallest tribe <coughs> of all the tribes. And this is where Achan came from, and this is where it all starts. Now, I use the New Living Translation, so um, in other translations, it's also called the cursed things. Um, But the cursed things that the Lord didn't want them to have in that time had to do with demonic and debased worship and practices of the Canaanites. So the things that he wanted destroyed... He had a good re- he had a good reason for it, and while we cannot at all, really, in our present day, uh, you know, uh, looking at things, we can't imagine how this world would be. This was a tribal world, and this was also a world that was not like our Western world, where we placed the highest value on the individual and the individual choice and the individual feelings and the individual thinkings and in in the eastern culture is where where this comes from they placed a higher value on the corporateness you know the one and what we might say in the new testament is like the one another's that they placed a higher value on the tribe or the corporateness than they did on the individual and so to them 
if there was a significant decision that was going to be made, it was made tribally, it was made corporately, because that was an important decision. If it was a not important decision, and I've used this illustration before for people who've asked, like, what, if, like, give me an example. And I, I was saying, well, just imagine if you, uh, I don't know, clothes that you're going, the toga you're going to wear that day, you know, that's maybe not, maybe that's not important. So an individual can make that de decision. But if it was an important decision, it was always a corporate thing. That's a kind of, we get that little bit of flavor in the New Testament where it talks about a person and his household getting saved. There's probably some carryover of that among God's people that an important decision was made corporately and not individually. So uh, these wars that that they were engaged in that normally they would uh, uh, go at war at the direction of the Lord. It was not to provide personal gain. And so when this happened, this was uh, indeed very, very serious and it had to be taken care of like lickety split. You know, kind of like those movies we watch, whether it's 300, Teresa's favorite, or other medieval yeah. things, they would laugh at what we call justice today. To them, justice was swift and it was clear, yeah. but it was a tribal thing. It was a tribal community. So it was a it was a different time in a different place. And I, I don't think it's really fair to put our values, our individual, especially our individualistic values, to put that on something in the Old Testament. So uh, you notice that that uh, Achan, like I said, was out of the tribe of Judah. So Achan uh, is there. We go on to verse 2. Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai, east of Bethel, near Beth Aven. When they returned, they told Joshua, there is no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or three thousand men to attack AI. Since there are so few of them, don't make all our people struggle to go up there. You know, some some people, uh, theologians, fight over this uh, this particular scripture, saying that some of them they they were just walking in in uh, self confidence, you know, or they were walking. It was it was their faith statement, you know. It was their faith statement that they were going to win, but the but the little problem here is that they hadn't inquired of the Lord. So really, neither one of those arguments work because they didn't inquire of the Lord, right? So we go on. Verse 4. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as their quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. Don't you find it interesting in the Bible when the Lord puts in numbers? I mean, like, they had 3,000 people that were sent to this, this battle. And they said that exactly, 36 died. I mean, did they line them up or, or whatever? And, and then I thought to myself, this is how my curiosity goes. And this is how a lot of times I'll find out things in the Bible. I'm thinking, well, I wonder if 
36 is at all significant in the Bible. And um, I found under some rabbinical teachings, you know, some uh, rabbi teachings that um, it, it was common knowledge. So this might be a little dig because they weren't listening to the Lord and they weren't listening to his word. Um, it was common knowledge among the rabbis and common knowledge among the people that 36 hours was the exact amount of hours of the light of creation before creation was actually um, had, you know, the light actually put in, which I think was the fourth day. But I don't know about from the one to the fourth day. I'm not sure about what happened after the 36 hours, but I find it totally um, interesting that it was common knowledge that it was 36 hours. So I, this is how my mind thinks. My mind thinks, well, it was 36 hours. Maybe that was like a little, little thing like, uh, hello, are you thinking of anything here? Uh, are you thinking about your creator? Are you thinking about the one who established this all? Are you in shock yet? Well, it sounds like from what I just read that they are in a little bit of shock here um, because the 36 was 36 more than Jericho, which had just happened in their recent history because they're, they were used to always overcoming, always, always. So their panic or being paralyzed with fear and courage melting away was totally logical. If God wasn't fighting for them, they were toast, right? And so it goes on to say in verse uh, 6, Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads, and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. And you know that the putting dust on your heads and, and, and tearing your hair, tearing your clothes is a sign of mourning. Um, but it's also for them, they were probably mourning that there was a loss of the Lord's blessing and the loss of the Lord's guidance in here. And, uh, and then when it says a bow down face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, that might be a sign of humility, but like in my mind, too little, too late. Verse seven, then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? You know, uh, this didn't just happen, but to them it was like a national calamity. Again, they were not used to not winning, right? And um, and here in verse 9, I'm thinking that maybe Joshua's thinking that, okay, maybe God has been unfaithful. Maybe all of a sudden I can't depend on him in this moment. But alas, there's more. I, I do like that he said at the very end, and what will happen to the honor of your great name, because when we were singing that song about the glory, the glory of his presence, that he, Joshua was ultimately concerned, even though he had he had sought the Lord in this uh, previous situation, he was concerned for the glory of God. So 
Yea, Joshua, one point for you. <clears throat> Verse 10, but the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Verse 11, Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but they've lied about it, and they've hidden the things among their own belongings. So you see how this increase of sin has happened. So there's good news and bad news. The good news is God is not failing them. He's not failing the nation. The bad news is, Israel, you've sinned. So God hasn't changed his nature. He hasn't changed his mind about Israel. And he's corrected Joshua and saying, get up, boy. Verse 12, that is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. Get up, command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, Hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. Now, I just want to insert right here to remind us that in Jesus, our position is secure. So I am uh, not among those evil people who will tell you that you know that you're going to hell in a hen basket. But I am saying that according to 1 John 1, 6, that if we have things that have come between us and the Lord, that our our fellowship can definitely be hindered. And and sometimes I, I have seen this, that sometimes that um, sin will have consequences because then there's another law in motion too, that what you sow is what you'll reap. So there there is a... A, a part of truth to that there, but it's not as far as your position in the Lord. So on to verse 14. In the morning, you must present yourself by tribes, and the Lord will point out the tribe to which the guilty man belongs. That tribe must come forward with its clans, and the Lord will point out the guilty clan. That clan will come forward, and the Lord will point out the guilty family. Finally, each member of the guilty family must come forward one by one. The one who is stolen... What was set apart for destruction will himself be burned with fire, along with everything he has. For he has broken the covenant of the Lord, has done a horrible thing in Israel. Early the next morning, Joshua brought the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Judah was singled out. Then the clans of Judah came forward, and the clans of the clan of Zerah was singled out. Then the families of Zerah came forward, and the family of Zimri was singled out. So now here we see the identity of the tribe was revealed. Verse 8. 18. Every member of Zimri's family brought forth person by person, and Achan was singled out. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, by telling the truth. Make your confession and tell me what you have done. Don't hide it from me. I found that this was really interesting that, you know, as we're singing about the glory of the Lord and all, a lot of times I think about the glory of the Lord and I think about his weighty presence and in, in his weighty presence being awestruck and, and uh, ready to bow before him, you know, and stay bowed before him and all. But here we, we see that we can give glory to the Lord 
also by confession, by telling the truth, that there is a glory in that. And um, so I thought that was something that for us to take note of. Verse 20, Achan replied, it is true, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Among the plunder, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 silver coins and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. I wanted them so much that I took them. They are hidden in the ground beneath my tent, and the silver buried deeper than the rest. Verse 22, so Joshua sent some men to make a search. They ran to the tent and found the stolen goods hidden there, just as Achan had said, with the silver buried beneath the rest. They took the things from the tent and brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites. Then they laid them on the ground in the presence of the Lord. Then Joshua and all the Israelites took Achan, the silver, the robe, bar of gold, his sons, daughters, cattle, donkeys, sheep, goats, tent, and everything he had and brought them to the valley of Achor. Then Joshua, Joshua said to Achan, why have you brought trouble on us? The Lord will now bring trouble on you. And all the Israelites stoned Achan and his family and burned their bodies. They piled a great heap of stones over Achan, which remains to this day. That is why the place has been called the Valley of Trouble ever since. So the Lord was no longer angry. Again, I, I, want, to, um, I want to repeat purposefully that in that time and in that day and age, I, this is what I believe. I believe totally that this was their justice. This was right. And other, other um, tribes and others that even didn't know the Lord, they would have saw this as just. And probably the fear of the Lord, the, the reverence and awe of the Lord would spread in that. So um, while we're in our you know, 2023 and, and possibly uh, uh, having our noses out of joint because of it. Um, this, for them, it was a very just thing. And even in that day, as you have recalled, as I've said before, many times over that many times that even um, enemies, they had honor for their enemies if, if they fought justly. Right, Teresa, they they had honor, and I'm sure that as they saw this and, and observed this, I'm sure that for them, maybe not us, but for them, that it was a just and right thing. Mm-hmm. I'd like to just go ahead and read the second part of the story, the rest of the story, uh, of chapter 8. So I don't have overhead for this, so you can either follow along or uh, just be... Uh, Listening, hopefully my voice will hold out. Um, Chapter 8, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid or discouraged. Don't you think that's neat? I mean, if my dad had just done something and I was being punished, I would have to like, you know, lay low for a long time. But he's like, don't be afraid. Don't get discouraged. Take all your fighting men and attack Ai. For I have given you the king of Ai, his people, his town, and his land. You will destroy them as you destroy Jericho and its king. But this time you may keep the plunder and the livestock for yourselves. You notice it wasn't the cursed things, though. And set an ambush behind the town. So Joshua and all the fighting men set out to attack Ai. Joshua chose 30,000 of his best warriors and sent them out at night with these orders. Hide in ambush close behind the town and be ready for action. 
When our main army attacks, the men and AI will come out to fight as they did before, and we will run away from them. We will let him chase us until we have drawn them away from the town, for they will say, the Israelites are running away from us as they did before. Then, while we are running from them, you will jump up from your ambush, take up possession of the town, for the Lord your God will give it to you. Set the town on fire as the Lord commanded. You have your orders. So they left and went to the place of ambush between Bethel and the west side of Ai. But Joshua remained among the people in the camp that night. Early the next morning, Joshua aroused the men and started toward Ai, accompanied by the elders. All the fighting men who were with Joshua marched in front of the town and camped on the north side of Ai, with a valley between them and the town. That night, Joshua sent out about 5,000 men to lie in ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the town. So they stationed the main army north of the town and the ambush west of the town, and Joshua himself spent night that night in the valley. When the king of Ai saw the Israelites across the valley, he and his army hurried out early in the morning and attacked the Israelites at a place overlooking the Jordan Valley. But he didn't realize there was an ambush behind the town. Joshua and the Israelite army fled across the wilderness as though they were badly beaten. I wanted to see that one. Then all the men in the town were called out to chase after them. In this way, they were lured away from the town. There was not a man left in Ai or Bethel who did not chase after the Israelites, and the town was left wide open. Then the Lord said to Joshua, point the spear in your hand toward Ai, for I will hand the town over to you. Joshua did as he was commanded. So even right there, there's like this prophetic act. Do what I say, point towards Ai. So Joshua did as he was commanded, and then as soon as Joshua gave the signal, all the men in ambush jumped up from their position and poured into the town. They quickly captured it and set it on fire. When the men of Ai looked behind them, smoke from the town was filling the sky, and they had nowhere to go. For the Israelites, who had fled in the direction of the wilderness, now turned on their pursuers. When Joshua and all the other Israelites saw that the ambush had succeeded and smoke was rising from the town, they turned and attacked the men of Ai. Meanwhile, the Israelites who were inside the town came out and attacked the enemy from the rear. So the men of Ai were caught in the middle with Israelite fighters on both sides. Israel attacked them and not a single person survived or escaped. And only the king of Ai was taken alive and brought to Joshua. When the Israelite army finished chasing and killing all the men of Ai in the open fields, they went back and finished off everyone inside. So the entire population of Ai, including men, women, and children, 12,000 in all, were wiped out that day. For Joshua kept holding out his spear until everyone who had lived in Ai was completely destroyed. Only the livestock and the treasures of the town were not destroyed, for the Israelites kept these as plunder for themselves, as the Lord had commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned the town, and it became a permanent mound of ruins, desolate to this day. So it goes on to say that Joshua uh, impaled the king uh, with a pole, which was not an uncommon thing in those days, and then... um, put a great heap of stones over him, and then the covenant was renewed with the Lord. Joshua built an altar to the Lord. Um, He made an altar um, of stones that were 
not cut, so it didn't have anything really to do with them except to show a memorial place so that anybody passing by would see these group of stones and, and ask, you know, what were these stones about? And so, again, uh, to say that in this day and age, in this time, I really, I really sincerely believe that the Lord is, um, is speaking in a, is speaking in a different way, and is also uh, speaking in ways that um, are not like what we're used to. You know, like Moses was this gentle guy who took all that time. Remember his father-in-law had said, you know, this is not good. You're up from early morning to night because you're listening to all people's troubles and you should delegate that out. So that here was Moses. He was ready to burn out totally because he was going to be patiently listening to people. And then there's Joshua here on the other side. He's a man of war. And where Moses said, you know, even just tap the stone and you'll have water. Then over here, Here's Joshua. By the end of uh, Joshua, when you're reading it, you're going to see that Joshua says, uh, find your own water, you know, and that sounds really, in my mind anyway, it sounds really, uh, it sounds really cruel. But when I look at it in light of the perspective, we are in war. This is a time of war. This is a t not a time of peace. This is not a time when everything is well and good. This is a time of war. And when we're in a time of war, um, the Bible says, even in, in the New Testament, it says that sometimes we can't be entangled with just the stuff of life. When we're in a time of war, our, a lot of times our perception becomes a lot more narrow and we find out what things are really important and then we do it. But other than that, everything else may be left um, aside. All the fluff might be left aside. And so I, I'm wanting to encourage you very, very strongly to understand that if you've been like Joshua, but maybe you've been seeking the Lord and not like him where he did not seek the Lord and had uh, terrible things happen, that if you're seeking the Lord, but you feel like that this is like, Things are totally different that he's not responding in the ways that you're used to him or that he's not acting in ways that you think that you're used to, that you will be uh, comforted yet strengthened. Your resolve will be strengthened like uh, like kind of like a spiritual boot camp that you'll be strengthened to understand, you know, who you are in the Lord and who the enemy of our souls are. And to remind our soul, to remind our soul who God is, and to remind our soul who he has made us to be. And then, other than that, everything else is that we're, we'll give the glory to God, whatever's going to happen. So I just want to take a few minutes. Um, we read a lot of scripture today. I was wondering, does anybody have um, any thoughts or people that, I know there's some people here that have been in the military. Um any other thoughts? Just want to give that open. No? All right. You did a good job. Mm -hmm. Father, you are our Father. Thank you so much that you've given us your words here to strengthen us, to uplift us, 
thank you, Lord, that um, that you do open the eyes of our heart and you open the eyes of our, you enlighten our understanding. And Lord, help us to just remind our soul, remind our soul to check with, in with you a time or two a day, Lord, if not more, if not all day long. Lord, that we would bring glory to your name. Lord, that we would find that we overcome in all things, even if the battle happens to be a long one. And whether it's a long one or a short one, Lord, we give the glory to you, Lord. We thank you that you've chosen uh, pretty funny weapons for, for this kind of warfare in the spirit realm. And so, Lord, we, we praise you, Lord, with our hearts, with our voices. Lord, we praise you in gratitude and thankfulness to keep our hearts soft. And Lord, we thank you that you promised that you will perfect the things that concern us. And Lord, you've also said that if anyone else has a different opinion, that, that you're, you're just well and capable of showing that to us, Lord. So we just thank you, God, and we praise you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So have a great day, everyone. And uh, there's no coffee. I just realized I forgot to put it on. I warmed up the machine, but I forgot to put the coffee on. So there might still be some hot water back there. But anyway, have a great day, you guys. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today at Coastline Church. To find out more information, please visit coastlinefoursquare.com.